Hello, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of lots of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks only the rich can enjoy a pearl necklace. Welcome back to Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane, and on this week's show, I'll be asking if flirting counts as cheating, talking about Japanese rope bondage with Anna Key, and I'll be looking at the times when you might have gotten your kink on in public. If you like what you hear, then please rate, review, or at least subscribe wherever you get your finest of podcasts and I hope you're ready because I'm about to hit like on all your Instagram posts. Hello, 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 dearest listener. Okay, quick question. Do you think flirting counts as cheating? Oh, I bet I've raised some heckles there. Also, I think I might have just turned a few of you on. Uh, But enough about me. So let's assume that you're not in an open relationship. Most people draw the line at kissing and shagging is usually a definite no-no. But I'm not too sure with you lot. But what about the smaller things like giving your number to someone or your social media handle or just complimenting them when you're hanging out? So Dipti Tate, a hypnotherapist and couple therapist, tells metro.co.uk that the act of flirting is more than a surf level exchange. In the context of a committed relationship, the boundaries between harmless interaction and emotional betrayal can become very blurred, prompting one's partner to view flirting as a form of infidelity. So why do some people have different boundaries when it comes to flirting? This is a really big question to ask yourselves. Um, I mean, it can depend on a lot of things. Maybe their past experiences with relationships have been difficult or maybe they've got different beliefs. But mainly the thing that we all have to remember is that whether or not your partner is comfortable with what you're doing, what one person finds acceptable might be totally different to someone else, which is why it's really important to talk to your partner or partners ASAP. Dipti says to share your thoughts and apprehensions and delve into the recesses of your hearts. By doing so, you'll forge a shared perception that aligns your relationship values and fosters a connection. This will help you get clear on boundaries and build a safe and respectful relationship. But what if you and your partner don't agree? Well, if your partner thinks flirting counts as cheating and you don't, or vice versa, then it is really important to try to reach a compromise. Dipti's advice is to employ empathy and compromise as your tools for navigation. Through open dialogue, you can blend your perspectives, bridging the gap between your differences to reach a mutual understanding of shared boundaries. Now, look, there is loads of great advice from Dipti in this article. I've I've just put it down to its very small essence. So I recommend going to read Asking for a Friend, Does Flirting Count as Cheating? over at metro.co.uk. But obviously not before my fabulous chat with this week's guest. 
Ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, I am going to bet the farm that anyone listening to a sex and relationship podcast likes to explore their kinky side. And you can't spend two seconds on any kind of fetish website without hearing about Shibari. But what is it? Fortunately, this week's guest is here to chat all things ropes and riggers after starting a bondage boutique based on the art of Japanese rope bondage. It's Anna Key. Hello, Anna. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. How are you? How's everything going? Feeling great, yeah. In the wonderful, I'm. Uh, it's very nice and hot today, so and I'm happy to chat to you about my area of expertise. <laughs> it is an absolute scorchio day today. Um, so tell us about Shibari. It sounds like a good time to do it because that's one of the times when you don't really need to have all your clothes on, just a bit of rope. Tell us about Shibari. What is it? How do people get it? Tell us all. Of course. Well, let's start from the start and maybe a brief history about Shibari. It's coming from Japan. It's based on ancient martial arts and it became um, erotic during the last century and um, now it's an erotic practice of tying up people in different positions only using rope. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an erotic and sensual practice uh, which is, well, it's kinky but it's also connecting and it's a beautiful um, art form. This is what interests me most about it, that it's a, it is an art form, an art of tying up people. So what is the difference between shibari and just tying someone up? It's done in a particular way, using ropes in a safe and pleasant uh, way. And it, it has particular patterns to it, patterns and knots which are applied and tied to the body. So um, it should not be done randomly. There's a certain structure to it. Okay, so it's not something you learn in the boys' brigade. It's just it's it, there is there is method to the madness. That's a good start, actually. But uh, Shibari is more than that. <laughs> it depends what kind of boys' brigade you went to. Um, exactly. So, <laughs> let's start with some basics. What kind of is it? Is it done with special kind of rope, for instance? Yes, ideally with jute. It's natural fibre rope uh, and a length of a rope bundle is eight meters and it's normally six millimeters wide and three ply twisted and it's smooth and nicely waxed to feel good on the body mm. and this is just an ideal length to get started you need several bundles and um, yeah off you go because <laughs> a lot of people when they start first start getting into kink I think they watch a bit of 50 shades of grey and think that all you need is some cable ties but you're making it sound like a bit of eight Eight metres of jute rope that's nicely waxed is certainly going to be a lot more happier for the wrists, isn't it? Yes, it will feel much better than cable ties. <laughs> yeah, there's no limit to imagination, but shibari is just a very specific kind of uh, tying up people. Okay. So what are some of the things that people can start with when they want to start learning shibari? How can people get into it? Well, there are there's lots of online material to be found online. However, unfortunately, uh, a lot is censored nowadays. Mm. Uh, there used to be a lot more content on YouTube, but no more. Uh, there are lots of Shibari practitioners sharing their own content. And there are lots of live classes one can attend. If you're lucky to be in London or a major city, there are loads of workshops and classes uh, 
one can sign up for and and study but you can also just study from books and simple videos at home you can start with simple wrist ties leg ties even practice on yourself or with your partner if you have a keen partner which is ideal okay because i think a lot of people might think because when you see some pictures about shibari it's very intricate it's very elaborate you've got people who are hanging from the ceiling so a lot of people might think that they need to be doing it with a structural engineer so can people really start doing it by themselves and working on knots you know by themselves Yes, they can, because it's built uh, on very simple knots. You can start get started with one rope. And yes, it may look intimidating when you see all these beautiful twisted shapes uh, suspended from the ceiling. And that's the end goal, but it must not be like that. Mm. You can do simple things on the floor, uh, which still feel amazing. How did you start getting into it? Um, I've been on the king scene for a very long time, and this is where I got across, came across Shibari, and I came along as a model with a mate of mine, mm. where he wanted to practice on me, and I was all wrapped like a pretzel, and I loved it. <laughs> and then I thought, though, I'm so practical and so good with my hands, I, I would like to do it myself. I want to have a go. So I started practicing, visited lots of workshops, educated myself, uh, put lots of time and effort into it. And yeah, here I am uh, several years later. I feel like there's there's a lot of steps skipped there, Anna. I feel like we're trying to go from, oh yeah, I just, uh, I just, I just, I just opened a book one day. Yeah, no worries. But if we like, let's remember that there are people out there who are very, very much beginners. So what kind of things should they should they be looking for? Like what kind of places did you start? Um, I went to classes of, run by Anatomy Studio in South London. It's a Shibari studio dedicated for only for bondage. So it's a great place to learn. It's very welcoming, open minded. All levels are welcome. Or just meeting up people at rope jams and messing around while having a glass of wine and just tying each other up. I made lots of amazing friends through that community. What are rope jams? A rope jam is an informal meeting of rope lovers where they meet and practice on each other. So what, I mean, what have been some of the benefits about learning about Shibari for you? I just immersed myself in this beautiful community and made amazing contacts. And it's a beautiful uh, physical experience of being tied up, uh, being a bunny and being tied up. Um, bunny is the person who is normally tied up. That's the name for it. It can be like feel it can feel like a like a big hug. It feels so satisfying and so yeah arousing but also like it's a very interesting feeling being tied up and as a rigger and the rigger is the person who's tying it um it's a it's also a very satisfying feeling to have the trust of the bunny and it creates a beautiful dyna- dynamic between the two if you're a bunny if you're saying i'd love to i'd love to be tied up how can you start meeting riggers and where does the process of trusting them how does that start to happen because you're putting yourself into a very vulnerable situation just saying oh i want to be tied up so how do people start communicating that how do people start trusting other people what is the best steps to towards if you want to be a bunny yourself yeah it's based a lot on trust and consent consent is number 1 
and you, you meet people in the community, in the fetish community, online, or if one goes to a studio where one learns shibari or a jams, there are lots of single people who look for a partner. So there are lots of people uh, available and interested nowadays, so it's not a problem to find the perfect match. But people do have to take steps towards safety, though. They shouldn't just, you know, can people just turn up and go, you can just start tying me up? Is that something you would recommend? Don't let someone hang upside down right away without testing each other's skills beforehand. But it will evolve, and it's it's kind of common sense as well to just be safe and, and not to go too far immediately. And, yeah, gaining trust and respect is number one first. How do you start gaining trust and respect from your bunnies? Because you tie people up. So how do you start when you're trying to say, look, I'm a trusted individual, you can trust me. Where, what kind of things do you talk to them about? Well, it's good to have a little chat beforehand just to see what their situation is, what their health is and how their flexibility is like, if they have any physical issues. Um, that's good to, to find out first. And then just have a friendly chat and go easy and slowly at first no nothing too hurtful painful or intimidating at first and over time you can push further what does that journey look like because what i've what we're going to have is we're going to have loads of people who want to try shibari they want to try rope tying but they don't know where to start so they've gone they might they might not have a workshop where they they are but they might you know, meet someone online or they might meet someone at a local munch or something. So where where does the overtime, where does that start? What does that journey, what should that journey look like in order to build up trust, respect and consent? Well, how long is a piece of string or a piece of rope? It's very hard to say. <laughs> it's really not immediate. It's a very elaborate kind of practice. It takes lots of patience and certain connection with friends or people who I like to spend time with. So I uh, I have several rope bunnies I work with regularly where I do performances with more experienced who um, where I know their limits and they know my limits. So um, I just built a nice circle of, of collaborators around me who I keep working with. So when you're working with other collaborators, like you've got bunnies, what what do you what about the are there any other terminology for other people that are that are into ropes? Like you know, if, if you're tying someone up, so you've got the bunnies who are the people who like to be tied up. But what about if you want to tie someone up? Yeah, they're called riggers. Um, yes, we collaborate together. I have good friends and collaborators. We perform together, and it's a very good community. It's very tightly knit and very friendly. <laughs> So, of course, there is some, um, yeah, there is no jealousy whatsoever. It's everyone supporting each other. So if someone wants to be a rigger, where do they start with that? Well, they uh, they find themselves a partner where they can practice on. But also it's okay to switch. You don't have to uh, decide from the start what you want to be. Like I went from being a bunny to being a rigger and now mm. right now I'm going back to being a bunny again so you don't have to commit how did you how did you start though with rigging because that seems like it could be fairly intimidating because at the end of the day you're you're doing quite a lot to to someone you're asking them to trust you so where did you start learning those skills after I was tied up by my mate at this workshop 
signed up for another workshop as a rigger with some uh, with a girlfriend of mine who I knew was a good bunny and was very interested and yeah I just just threw myself into it but I'm very practical I'm very good with my hands I find it easy to remember things so and I'm very patient so these are all good attributes to start uh, being a rigger (laughs) (laughs) does it come in handy anywhere else like have you found you're out with the with the bunnies and the riggers and you're at the pub (laughs) and suddenly oh look we've got some skills for some shibari needed we need to you know suddenly you're structural engineers somewhere (laughs) yeah sometimes everything uh if anyone has an issue with tying something up I'm here to help if it's Christmas presents or some sort of luggage pieces or God knows what, I'm here to help. Camping, sailing, all very all things that need a good knotting, Anna. Yes, all of it, all of it. Even hair braiding, I'm good at. <laughs> Even hair braiding, does that come into it? Yes, sort of. <laughs> what about when you're at dinner parties? What do you say you do? Oh, I have no problem saying what I do because at some point you have to uh, get to terms with what you do and be open about it. What is the worst thing that can happen? Most people are very interested and very curious and actually admiring what I do. And also the society goes towards the direction that it's more king-friendly, accepting, etc., So I want to educate people, which I do through my brand in a way because my fashion brand is not as intimidating and uh, people kind of understand it easier through that or maybe accept it better. Do you find you have to like carry, is that what started the brand because people started asking about it and then you were just like, well, instead of just carrying a load of rope in my handbag, because <laughs> that's the first thing, whenever I've talked to someone about Shabari, they're like, well, what does it look like? And I'm like, right, well, give us a strap and we'll, we'll try it. So do you find you have to like, do you start demonstrating it on someone at dinner parties? Uh, not quite. Uh, I just love the way how the rope looks on the body. These beautiful patterns, they're so pretty. But then you have to untie someone again and then it's all gone. So I wanted <laughs> to make it permanent. Yeah. So I created these pieces which you can just keep on and take off whenever you want. And I always keep that certain shape. <laughs> who do you find do you know like who the clientele can be like will it just be people that have been to rope workshops and and rope bunnies or is it just people who are just like oh this looks great for for my for my prom this will be good for my wedding yes all of it um of course my customers are mostly from the king community because they already know rope yeah but also i could uh i was able to uh, convince other people vanilla people uh, uh to buy from me and uh, they, they they bought it because they love the way it looks and then through that they got to know more about shibari and that is a big step to actually convert someone who actually had no idea about all this through my brand to finally get to know about shibari and all this alternative kink lifestyle if people are taking their first steps into like not just the kink like well not just into rope but like into the kink lifestyle what would be a good place to start well again if you're lucky enough to be in london or some other big cities you can go to events Uh, there are loads of kink events out there from big parties to like smaller munches and rope jams again or the other way is uh, going online there are lots of platforms out there from Fat Life to a new one called Joy Club, 
which is actually um, I'm an ambassador for, and they're from Germany, they're quite big out there. But this is a platform where one can meet, date people and arrange, um, find out about events or arrange meeting people and arranging finding a raw bunny or look for groups, join groups and, and get into all this lifestyle. And what about aftercare? Is there anything in particular that you would recommend? Um, I don't want to say rope burn, but <laughs> just in case it happens. Oh, yes, of course. Aftercare is very important. Uh, it's very important to take care of your model and your bunny because they've given you so much during the session. Um, it's important to spend some time with them and having a quick chat, giving them a hug, make sure nothing hurts too much, give them like a little rub. Yeah, it's just human nature to look after each other. I think it's um, important to make sure the other person feels well yeah. after the session. And if people want to find out more, where can they get more information? Oh, yeah, on my website, I have an Instagram account where I share all the news about my brand. And then I have my personal account uh, where I share like the more personal side of me on Instagram is Knots. Yeah, otherwise I'm uh, in and out, uh, out and about in London at many events. So I'm quite active on the scene. Um, I'm performing at club nights uh, coming up. Um, yes, I'm pretty involved. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Anna Key, K-I-I. Took me a long time to get that, but I got there eventually. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Have a lovely day. I have once again delved into the fun bags and last week I asked you for all those times when you tried a bit of kink in the great outdoors. Uh, <laughs> I love some of these answers, honestly. Oh God, what our countryside has seen. Um, Zen Monster on Twitter, still calling it that don't care. Uh, they said, after watching the secretary, we tried to reenact the bit against the tree. Listener, if you haven't seen the secretary, then I can't help you. I don't know why you're here. But yes, look, just to explain, Maggie Gillenthal gets tied and shagged against a tree by James Spader and it is hot as balls. Sorry, back to the tweet. Zen Monster said we had high hopes, but it turns out the Epping Forest is busier than we thought. <laughs> Epping Forest. Uh, our kinky day out turned into a finger bang underneath the picnic blanket. <laughs> that is probably for the best. You never know what you're going to get. Um, Stephen on Instagram said, sometimes when she's staying over, my girlfriend will make me wear her previous day's underwear to work. <gasps> I moan about it, but I bloody love it. How can I get her to do more? Oh, Stephen. Oh, talk to her. Give her this podcast to listen to. We have got so many episodes about talking to your partner, about getting involved in kink and how you can start and how you can broach those conversations. Personally, one of my favourite bits of advice is to always be like, oh, you know, my friend is to say my friend. My friend really loves this stuff. How do you feel about it? My friend. Oh, if he found out that you were making me wear your dirty underwear to work. Oh, he'd love it. Just start those conversations like that and build up from there. But we have got so much great advice that you can go back and listen to in the Smut Drop archives. 
anonymous on email said, I was at a festival with my girlfriend and when the queue for the already disgusting toilets was too much, she asked me to be a lookout when she went for a pee in the nearby bit of wood. Classic manoeuvre. Yep, no, I don't blame her. I've been there. This was late in the day, so we might have enjoyed ourselves on festival vibes a bit too much. (laughs) I love it when people enjoy themselves on festival vibes. Uh, But they said, but I tried not to look until I heard her say, or you could just come over here and drink it. Hmm. Did I want to drink my girlfriend's cider infused pee after three days in a tent? Absolutely. (laughs) No hesitation there, Anonymous. Well done. Uh, And they said, whilst we might have split up, the fetish remains. Best festival ever. I love that. I love these stories. I love the stories of when you discover something new. So I want to hear more because next week I'm going to be chatting to Ruby Rare about losing your virginity and all those first glorious sexual experiences. So please tell me more. They don't have to be anything kinky, but hey, we love it when you find a fetish. You can tell me all. I'm on Instagram. I've got a new account because my old one got shut down. You can find me at Here Comes the Cane again, or you can slide into my DMs or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. I've been Miranda Kane. Smutdrop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. If you are enjoying this weekly dive into the incredibly shallow pool of the podcast sphere, then please leave me a nice review. In the meantime, I'll be back to prick up your ears next week. And remember, don't do anything I wouldn't do but if you do then name it after me